This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 15. Episode 37. This is Writing Excuses. Writing under deadlines. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're in a hurry, too. I'm Brandon. I'm Victoria. I'm Dan. I gotta go. I've got <laughs> writing to do. Um, I'm not sure if we've ever even talked about this before. Maybe briefly. Uh, but I don't think we've ever had an entire episode on writing to deadline, which is something we should totally do because I don't know about the rest of you, but the first time I had a contract, I was surprised by how much harder it was to write under someone else's deadline than my own goals. Yeah, I think this is called the sophomore slump for a reason. The first book you write usually is not under contract, and if you're lucky enough to get a contract and the contract extends for more than that book, the next book you write will be the first book that you write under contract. And I say that it's like going from writing in a cave to going into writing in a bubble, where all of a sudden everyone can see you and everyone has a stake in it and everyone's watching you and you no longer have unlimited time, you now have give or take six months. Mm -hmm. And it is one of the most trial-by-fire processes. It's one of the reasons that second book hits so many people so hard because second book, all books are difficult, but the first book you write under contract is an eye-opener. Yeah, for me, um, I had two big distinct uh, moments like this. The first was writing my first book, under deadline. Um, the second was when I had the wheel of time and suddenly a lot more eyes were on me. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I was able to step into that, um, that I, my early books were not as, you know, I was a brand new author. They did fine, but it was when I suddenly had everyone at the company, at the publisher, focused all of their attention on me that suddenly writing under that deadline was a very different experience. Well, and that's the horrifying thing, right? Mm -hmm. If any of you out there are writing your first book under deadline, it's only going to get so much worse because you're still a new <laughs> author. And yeah. that first book that you write under deadline feels like much like when you're a teenager and everything feels like a 10 or like the end of the world. That first book you write under deadline, you think it's never going to be this hard again until something else. My agent would say new level, new devil. The idea that every time you step up a level or into a new spot, you have that same sophomore horror reaction again at a new a new hurdle. I think a lot of our listeners will, again, I say this a lot, will be thinking, <laughs> wow, luxury! I know. Yeah. Right? Wouldn't it be so nice? Wish um, I had that problem. But uh, I do think training yourself to write under deadline can be very helpful for preparing for a career in writing. Absolutely. I have had many friends as writers hit this and it'd be really hard for them. Um, a lot of times you'll f find someone whose first book comes out and then there's a long gap to their second book. Um, and I'm not even talking about the famous examples that you mm -hmm. might point to. A lot, of, um, a lot of my writer friends, one book comes out and then it's like four or five years till their next book. Um, and that's a really bad time to be taking a big gap between books. Really yeah. bad time. So when, uh, you know, Brandon and I were in writing groups together forever until we finally got published. And he got published a year, year and a half, two years before I did. And so I watched this happen to you. And I thought, okay, well, this is what I need to be ready for. Because as soon as you had a contract, then your time was not your own and you were under all these other pressures. And so I was trying to teach myself how to write. And so I started setting my own deadlines because uh, I knew this was coming. And so that was, I guess, the first step. If we're going to give people advice, give yourself an artificial deadline that you know is going to push you, that you know is going to be much harder than you want to deal with, and see what you can do with it. This is part of why we like NaNoWriMo um, mm -hmm. and why 
you know, I did it years before I broke in and it was really helpful for the, when that first time I actually had a deadline to have practiced having deadlines. Yeah. In the, in the world of web cartooning, uh, I made my entire career out of this deadline thing because now it went 20 years without missing a daily update. There's this rolling deadline, which says there will be a comic strip up every day. Uh, as we are recording this episode, that deadline, the, the, the inked buffer is only seven days out, which is a terrible place for me to be. Um, but I know after 19 years of practice, I know exactly how long it takes to get out of this hole. Uh, do I know exactly what I am going to write for the two weeks of strips that I want to write and pencil and ink next week? No, but I've done this enough times that I am confident that if I focus myself on Monday and I look at my outline and I fall back on craft, and Mary Robinette has talked about this a little bit, there are times when we just fall back on craft. It's not about inspiration. It's not about the muses. It's chopping wood and carrying water. Uh, I know that I can do that. Uh, I just have to knuckle down and make it happen. Part of this is a matter of training yourself into good habits. Mm -hmm. Because, as I said, it's only going to get harder. And the better habits you can devise, the better habits that you can really start not perfecting, but creating for yourself early on are really going to come in handy if you move farther into a career and you have multiple deadlines or multiple publishers or multiple anything. And and really, like, they'll come into handy if at any point you move from writing as hobby to writing part-time to writing full-time. Every one of these habits about enforcing your own deadlines, finding accountability buddies, like finding a generational buddy, finding anybody that you can really look to and support systems and people to keep you accountable. These are key things from a sustainability of deadline. And you have to decide at what point you want to add this. Because if you don't know how yet to write a book at all, you don't necessarily need to step up to this hard mode uh, you know, play easy mode first because that's what it's for. But if you look at your own career, your own, you know, writing that you have done thus far and you think that you are ready to add a new skill on top of it, even if you maybe haven't even finished a first book yet, this is something to start building early. Yeah, the um, the difficulty with being <clears throat> a writer, I mean, you may be sitting here thinking, you know, I've dealt with deadlines. I've had schoolwork. We all have. This is a, this is a familiar thing to all of us, and that's good. You you have some practice, um, but there is something very dangerous about having a year and a half to do something. That if you don't do it consistently every week for the first eight months of that, your life is going to fall apart trying to do it for the last whatever, you know, eight months of that. And mm -hmm. so learning to be able to, when it's not a pressure, keep to your deadline, that's a key skill. And the other thing you got to remember is you won't have a boss telling yeah. you to. Even if you have an editor, most of the time your editor's not checking in that often. They're assuming the book is working fine. They will go four or five months before checking in and seeing how things are going sometimes if they're busy with other projects. And if you have let yourself spend those five months being like, oh, I can get to it, or I'm feeling really stressed right now, I'll play Xbox, and then you're, you're just mm -hmm. setting yourself up to, to crash. Yeah, my uh, grandmother grew up on a ranch, and she had all these 
awesome aphorisms. And one thing that she always told us as kids was, if you don't have time to do it right, you definitely don't have time to do it twice. Uh, which, you know, is is a principle that I apply to this, that it, it is about not just setting a deadline, but making a plan that is going to work now uh, so that you are using your time well now while it's not crunch time because you don't want to get to crunch time. You want to avoid that as much as possible. Also, especially early on in your deadline-ridden career when you don't quite know all of your own nuances yet, all of your own. Like, I know that the first third of a book takes me roughly three times the amount of time to write that the last two-thirds do. I cannot allot the same amount of time for every act in my book. And so, and you really only learn these things because whatever works is what works for you. You only learn these things by doing, and you need to make sure that you don't lean into procrastination techniques early on, or else you might find out the hard way that you don't work like that. Back in May, we talked about uh, mental wellness and just how to how to take care of yourself and how sometimes you need to take days off. Um, I mentioned the the Munchkin Deck project that I was involved in and how, uh, how incredibly educational that was. Uh, crunch mode is definitely a thing that, that many of us, a lot of us can do, um, but it's not something that you can maintain. It's and it's never something that you should build into the project plan. Uh, the a, when I have and it happens all the time, people will say, "I can't believe how did you do this without missing a day? How does that?" Well, I, you do it by not missing a day by having a huge buffer. My dad used to say, you, you don't leave for the airport unless you've got enough time to change a flat tire, which is not something I've ever had to do on my way to the airport, but that was just the way he built the plan. So you have time to change a flat tire. I have time in my buffer, except this week, to get sick, to, uh, to have the sewer line rupture, to have whatever. Ooh, there's something else that I do want to bring up, which is once those deadlines become contractually uh, inputted instead of personally inputted. The reason that it's so important that you stay on top of your side is because you are not the only cook in this kitchen and you can hit every one of your deadlines. But if you're the only person that you're planning on, something at another point in the pipeline can go wrong. An editor becomes late, a publisher mm-hmm. becomes late, and all of a sudden your very carefully orchestrated machine falls apart. Yeah. And once you have multiple projects going, and you've made your perfect plan, and you think this book is working great, and then the other project that you've already handed off to the editor, they throw it back and say, hey, sorry, this took me an extra month. I need you to turn around these edits by the end of the week. And you're like, (laughs) that ruins everything. Well, I mean, this even happens with, um, this year it happened to me with, I got beta reads back on a book, and there were some um, responses to the book that I was not expecting, where I'm like, oh, I need to do another revision. Um, I can see now why these are happening, but it means I need to take an extra month on this book. Um, though I was going to say, when mm-hmm. uh, Victoria was talking about editors being like, Dan and I know nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, <clears throat> let's do our book of the week, which is actually a YouTube channel that I really like. Um, this isn't to give you excuses to not write, but uh, Overly Sarcastic Productions is a delightful YouTube channel where they do summaries of history, summaries of mythology, um, or look at various writing and storytelling tropes and present them in a funny way. Just explain to you what they were, give you the Cliff Notes version of the history of Herodotus or the Cliff Notes version of, you know, what it is, the, the amnesia plot and how it's used in various books. And they are funny writers. They are funny deliverers. Um, uh, the woman who runs, uh, um, who is part of it, does sketches for all of these things. And her art is a lot of fun. Um, and I just highly recommend it as 15-minute, 10-minute beats that you probably like because you like this podcast that are focusing more on... Um, tools that can help you be a better storyteller. So uh, go give them a look, Overly Sarcastic Productions. Um, Now, coming back around on this idea of deadlines, one thing that I wanted to bring up is um, it actually gets harder and harder the better your career goes. Um, And this is not something I was prepared for. You usually do get, when you first go full-time, a nice breathing room dump where you're like, oh, I have extra time. I have more time than I thought, you know, that I ever had for my writing before. That's the most time you'll ever have. That year while you're writing before your first book comes out. Um, My experience has been that once a book is sold, agents tend to be really good at getting you another project if you want one. And it's generally a good idea to get a second project and be working on that. Once the book comes out, suddenly there's publicity to do and promotion. And the more popular you become, the more successful you become, the more this takes a bite out of your time to the point that I have less time to write now than I did when I was full-time working a job. And granted, I had a weird job where I could write at work, but I have less time than I did then. And you would think, oh, Brandon, you're full time as a writer. You know, you'll, you, yeah. you obviously have more time now. Just to give our listeners an idea, arranging this recording session with both Brandon and Victoria took us almost a year of planning <laughs> to find the right holes in the schedules because they're so busy. Yeah, I will say I'm definitely one of those that um, I'm very grateful for how my career is going right now. But between I have four publishers and I've been in 16 countries so far this year. And if you don't think that takes a bite out of writing and I know I can hear people saying like, oh, but you're so lucky. I am. But if I don't also find time to write more books, that luck is going to run out very quickly when I run out of product. And this is a good time in your lives before you're published to practice being able to juggle all of these things and know that you can work to a deadline even if other things are interfering. Um, it, I wish I'd practiced it a little more during my unpublished days. Yeah. This, and it's, boy, it, it's, it may seem hard as a, uh, as a new writer to, to take the novel you've been working on and that you've revised and to say it's really just not ready yet and put it in the trunk. Um, but, boy, I got to tell you, late career, having a trunk full of things that you know exactly how you put them together and you know exactly how to fix them and you've got a pretty good idea of how quickly that would go, that means that when an opportunity comes up where, hey, maybe I could file all the serial numbers off of this and turn it into some money, 
you can do exactly that. Weirdly to that as well, I just want to say, do not undervalue the time between when you sell your first book and when that book hits shelves. That is the most beautiful time you will ever have. It is the clearest, freest mental time you will ever have before reviews start coming in and before your monologue becomes a dialogue when it comes to your creative energy. But like cash, anything you can, ideas, balance, learn good work-life balance. Also, my favorite productive, like pro- procrastinatory technique is the idea that social media is absolutely part of my job. And I can do a whole lot of not writing by being on social media and justify that as marketing. Really start to analyze, figure out what your best times of day for writing are, figure out when you can do this, figure out what's going to be anything sustainable because it's only going to get more complicated as you go down that path. And so any, I know I've already said good habits, but any good habits, which you can build early will serve you later. Yeah. And if you can become one of the people that is really good at deadlines, um, that is worth gold in the industry Um, because so many writers um, are I won't say bad at this. I would say (laughs) there are a lot of professional writers that the best they can do is keep up to date on the one thing they're working on. um, And that's a struggle. And the people who can juggle multiple things become very in demand. Even if um, you're not ending up as a bestseller, if you're a mid-lister, but you're someone who can deliver something on time, there Mm -hmm. will be work waiting for you at every corner. You will never go hungry if you can turn in things on a deadline that is good quality work. My friend friend Jake Black has said on several occasions, be, you, you know, you can be on time every time. You can be the absolute best in the industry. You can be awesome and fun and enjoyable to work with. If you can only pick two... Uh, you'll probably you'll probably find work. Pick easy to work with and always on time because being the absolute best at everything in the industry, boy, that one's hard. The other two are so easy. Yeah, well, and I wanted to say that, that this is extra valuable, especially if you are mid-list or even low-list because you're going to need multiple revenue streams to pay the yeah. bills and feed your children and my kids want to eat every day. I don't know where they get off, but uh, you have to have so many different projects and so many different irons in so many different fires that being able to come up with a good schedule is really valuable. I literally will take a print calendar, old caveman style, and I will you know mark on it every time that I can't write. And then I will start reverse engineering. Well, I've got this project that needs to be done by this day, build into that how much do I think I can write in a day? How much give myself some extra days when I know I screw up so that I am not, you know, immediately behind on the treadmill, give myself some self-care time and then see how much I can compress that. And that's how I do it. Let's go to our homework, which hopefully will help you with this. Yeah, so um, this homework theme of the day is writing sprints, not surprisingly, trying to get you to put some structure into that free form of writing. I use a very particular app called the Forest app. It leans into the Pomodoro method, essentially a timed writing sprint. The thing I like about the Forest app It's only a couple of dollars. It is gamifying the entire process. You essentially pick a tree. You earn different kinds of trees to go in your forest. You grow different kinds of trees for certain amounts of time. While the forest app is going, you cannot touch your phone and and exit the app or else the tree will die. The tree dies, and at the end of the day, you have a sad little dead 
desiccated tree in your forest. The only thing I think could make it better is if it were kittens or puppies instead. But in the meantime, the forest app is a nice way to keep track of writing sprints and find a way to just add a little bit of structure. You heard it here first. Victoria wishes she could kill kittens and no, puppies. No, I, I would never kill the kittens <laughs> and puppies. I would never miss a writing sprint. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 